Hello, everyone. Welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. I'm Mike Kachopoli. Well, I wanted to, uh, I guess, continue a little bit of what we talked about yesterday, which is about wokeness and the hypocrisy of the left. Because more and more, it's not only coming back to haunt them, but more and more people can see right through this. They can see right through the left and their hypocrisy and their bullshit. And it's not just with woke stuff like Disney and uh, Disney, uh, you know, bashing DeSantis's what they call Don't Say Gay Bill, which is really Don't Talk Sex to Five-Year-Olds Bill. They won't call it that, though. You see, they never watch with a, a group that's against a certain bill, watch what they call it. Or a group that's for a certain bill, watch what they call it, okay? Because it's obvious when you look at it how phony they are. How they will twist words just to conform to their narrative, a narrative they cannot let go of. So this whole idea that Floridians, DeSantis, Republican governors are against gay rights is, of course, utter bullshit. Utter bullshit. You're talking about Florida. Go to South Beach. Come on. Go to Fort Lauderdale. Go to Tampa. I mean, the gay lifestyle is rich. Rich. I mean, I mean, this is the this is the this is the, the sad the story here. Okay, the nightlife for everyone, but even in gay areas, gay clubs, gay bars in Florida are so much better than in California. So much better than in so-called gay meccas of Los Angeles and San Francisco. It's not even close. And New York now, and Chicago. Okay, and these are the places where they're supposedly homophobic. Yet the areas are nicer. They're not ghettos. They're clean. The bars are nice, beautiful. The clubs are beautiful. The nightlife is great. Unlike here. Unlike in San Francisco. Unlike in San Francisco, where they're still wearing masks and discriminating in the Castro. So don't buy the bullshit about them being homophobic in the South and homophobic in Florida. Okay? Don't buy it. Don't buy it. To add to this hypocrisy of the left and their, and their wokeness and their causes, we have to go back to Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter said on Twitter, whoever Black Lives Matter is, said, capitalism doesn't love black people. That's something they had uh, tweeted in the past. Capitalism doesn't love black people. Uh, We could go into that idiotic statement, but that would take 25 shows. We're going to move on past that, but they did tweet that. Now the New York Post, based on an article written by the Daily Mail in the UK, writes that Black Lives Matter used donations to buy a $6 million Southern California home. 6,500 square feet. 6,500 square feet. This was necessary for them to buy a $6 million home. 6,500 square feet. Which was used to do videos and I'm sure have parties and have fun. The mansion has six bedrooms. Six bedrooms. And parking for 20 cars. And this is where they do things like filming their YouTube videos. 
Email show, the Black Lives Matter, wanted to keep the purchase secret. Hey, I wonder why. I wonder why. Despite filming a video on the home's patio back in May. The news comes the foundation faces federal scrutiny for alleged misuse of donated funds and comes on heels of criticism of co-founder Patrice Cullors. Cullors, who's 38, came under fire last year for a slew of high-profile property purchases. She resigned after facing backlash from critics and supporters. So this is where your donations, if you're out there and you donated to BLM, and if you did, you're sick in the head. But if you did, thinking, oh, well, you know, it's a good cause. Yeah, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. This is where your money went. This is where $6 million. And I feel bad because there are people out there who thought they were giving to a good cause. They thought they were giving to a good cause. And look what they were giving money to. A $6 million, 6,500 square foot mansion in Southern California. More than a half dozen bedrooms and bathrooms, multiple fireplaces, a soundstage, a pool, a bungalow, and parking for more than 20 cars. This, sound, this, this sounds bigger than the, the home at the beginning of The Godfather where they lived, the mansion where the Corleone family lived. <clears throat> $6 million. So you see, <laughs> these are charlatans. Now, I'm not saying everyone associated with Black Lives Matter are charlatans, but certainly the founders and the leaders of the organization were, and they were taking advantage of people, people pulling at people's heartstrings, taking advantage of their emotions to make a good living and to live high on the hog in SoCal. Now, let's say this organization was... I don't want to say something as, as pedestrian as white lives matter, but let's say something like, you know, uh, can, you know, bring back the Confederate flag or Proud Boys, just the Proud Boys. You know where I'm getting, you know where I'm getting at. If they were found to take six million dollars and buy a mansion in South Carolina or Georgia or Florida, oh, Florida, God forbid, and they'd go after DeSantis for it, what would happen? Would this be a story that's buried in the Daily Mail or just by the, the right-leaning New York Post? No, of course not. Of course not. White supremacists buy $6 million home. <clears throat> right? That would, be the, that would be the headline. They called them white supremacists no matter who they were. If they were on the right, they'd call them white supremacists. If they support a right-leaning organization, they would say they're white supremacists. Buy $6 million home. Feds say. But no, you have, to, you have to go deep Google, deep Google to find this stuff. The New York Post wrote an article about it. The Daily Mail wrote an article about it. You may see it mentioned for a second or two on CNN, MSNBC, but I doubt it. I doubt they can have a panel talking about it. I doubt they're going to interview the people who bought this home. No doubt they won't. They won't do it. Once again, showing the hypocrisy of the left, and we've seen that with the Hunter Biden story, right? The way they banned the New York Post's Twitter feed. I mean, it's so absurd. It really is so absurd, and they wonder why people don't trust the media. They wonder why they think it's fake news. They wonder why people think it's fake news. With a blank stare, they wonder why people think it's fake news and don't trust them. So here we have... Obvious corruption. This is obvious corruption. Black Lives Matter doesn't need 
The founders don't need a $6 million mansion to do videos. I could do videos from my living room. They could do videos from their living room. They could do videos outside. They can go to a bar or a restaurant and do videos. You don't need a $6 million, man, $6 million, 6,500 square foot, 20 car garage, luxurious home in Southern California to base your organization out of. You can use a storefront in Hollywood. Okay? So it's obvious corruption. Let's call it what it is. It's corruption. And I hope they face criminal charges for it. But you're not going to hear much about it. You're just not going to hear much about it. You'll hear podcasts. Yeah, you'll hear it on my podcast. But you're not going to hear it on your mainstream Democrat-owned left-wing media. They're not going to talk about it. Just like they won't talk about Hunter Biden. Minimal. Minimal. Well, look, this goes back. Come on. We saw this during the campaigns, right? The amount of... The amount of time Hillary got on the amount of – they did the whole thing with the amount of minutes they talked about Trump, the amount of minutes they talked about Hillary, the amount of minutes they talked about Bernie. We saw – it was like this crazy thing, right? It was like thousands of minutes to like 10 minutes. I mean it was ridiculous. It's obvious. They pushed the narrative they want. If they want a certain person to win a primary or a general election, they push that person. Come on. They talk about that person the most and usually glowingly. If there's a certain narrative they want, like masks, they're going to push it. If there's a certain narrative they want, like vaccine passports, they're going to push it. If they want to squash a story like Hunter Biden or BLM's corruption, they're going to squash it. And this is what they do. And they do it over and over and over and over again. There's no end to it. There's no end to it. And their go-to is always, oh, we'll go after Fox News. Hey, if worse comes to worse and the heat really comes on, go after Fox News. Go ahead to Fox News. <laughs> it's absurd. Absolutely absurd. You know, Morning Joe, good old Morning Joe, they're giving a fourth hour to. A fourth hour to a show that shouldn't have one hour. They should knock it down to a half hour like my show. There's no way their show should be three and a half hours longer than mine, which is what it will be. But uh, Morning Joe, during the Trump administration, I know most of my listeners aren't MSNBC or Morning Joe viewers, but I used to be. They, and I, started, I watched a lot during Trump's time in office. And they, uh, they would always do the polls. They would always do the polls, constantly talk about his polls, which usually range from like 42 to 45 percent approval, steadily. 40, but if it was 44, 45% approval, Joe would come on and talk about it. Well, Mika, that's 45%. You can't win with 45%, Mika. 45%, Mika, you can't win. Now, have, do they talk about Biden's 28? Do they talk about Biden's 36? No, they don't. They don't. Not the way they talked about Trump's 45. Do they constantly put up polls? Let me tell you, during the Trump administration, they put up like five polls a day. They put like five polls a day showing how bad Trump's numbers are, how people don't trust him on all these issues. Biden's numbers are 10 to 20 points lower than Trump's are consistently, and they rarely, if ever, talk about it. I don't know how Biden's going to win with 37, but if you only have one out of every three Americans, never. He doesn't talk about that. Why? Because they push their narrative because they're Democrat-owned and operated. They're liberal-owned and operated. When that started, Joe wasn't a liberal. Mika always was. Joe wasn't, but Joe realized very quickly that if he wasn't going to become a liberal, it wasn't going to last very long. Not in, that, not in that environment. 
It's like being a right winger on The View. What happens to you? <clears throat> so this is why people don't trust the media. It's obvious why people don't trust the media. And they shouldn't. And they should never, ever trust the media again. There's nothing they can do now to make up for it. There's nothing. They've lost confidence. We've lost confidence in them, and they're never going to get it back. Too much damage has been done to go backwards. Let's go back to the times of Walter Mondale and Barbara Walters. And when people could trust what they saw, that they were just they were just presenting the news. They were presenting the facts. Guys walking down the street makes a right turn. That's the way they report it. Guy walked down walked down the street made a right turn. That's the way the news should be. That's the way it should be. Not walk too slowly down and made a right turn when he should have made a left turn. That's what they do. Look how simple I've made it. But that's what they do. He should have walked faster. We found the man who should have walked faster and made a right turn. No way. He should have made a left turn. A right turn, he's corrupt. That's the way they talk about it. No. What's the news? What are the facts? You don't get that anymore. Because you know what? At at one point, someone said it's not going to sell. That doesn't sell. That doesn't sell. We have to present it in a way that's opinion, but we can't make it seem like it's opinion because then people will get tired of it. It will get monotonous and they'll think they're not getting any real information. So we have to push opinion and pretend it's real news. We have to push narrative and pretend it's the facts to keep people watching. And that's what they've done. That's what they've done. I have no problem with opinions. I love opinion shows. In fact, I prefer them to news shows. But say it. Say it. Make it obvious. These are our opinions. These are our opinions. Enter at your own risk. Watch at your own risk. Do your own research. I won't even mind a scroll at the bottom saying, these are opinions, these are opinions, these are opinions. Until people get it. Until people who are too ignorant to understand it get it. And that's the problem because you have a media that pushes opinion as fact and then people follow that. People think they're following, people think they're following the, the real news. See, they think, they're, they think they're living in reality. So when a news... When someone on MSNBC or CNN says, we need to wear masks, people wear masks. Why do they wear masks? I saw it on television. They said to wear masks. The authorities on television said they should wear a mask. And they'll have people on who agree with them, who agree with that narrative. You know what's becoming less and less on TV? Which was big for a while. And this is maybe up until COVID, I think. Which is where you have a, a, a moderator on person hosting the show, and they have one person on one side of the issue and one person on the other. That ended, you see, during COVID. Well, even ended before that. But especially during COVID, that ended when you went to CNN or MSNBC or ABC or NBC or PBS, you had a moderator, not a moderator, you got someone with an opinion and a narrative with someone else on there who's supposedly an expert who backed up that narrative. 
That's all you got. Did you ever see Fauci having to debate anybody? Why? He's afraid to because he's a schmuck and he can't. He's an idiot and he couldn't, he couldn't do it. There's no way Fauci could debate Jay Bhattacharya or Marty McCarry or, or Dr. Siegel from Fox News or Dr. Nishiwat from Fox News. He couldn't do it. Can you imagine him having to debate McCullough? No. Or Malone? No. And I'm sure he was asked. I'm sure there's some really good crackerjack young journalist out there who said, we'd like to have you on with someone who has a differing opinion. And Fauci would say, uh, no, just me. I'm, in, I'm the most important guy here. Only me. So that shows you right there. Not only Fauci full of shit, but the journalists are full of shit. There was no point-counterpoint. There was no ma- mask versus people who, didn't believe, who, who thought masks were destructive and didn't work. There were no people who believed in vaccine passports and mandates and then those who didn't. Of equal credentials. They didn't do that. One side only. One side only. The side that pushes the narrative we want to push. And now it's gotten really bad. It's gotten really, really bad. That's all you get. That's all we get. Gone are the days of, what was it, the McLaughlin Report or Crossfire. or You know, you had both sides. You had two sides. You had the contrarians. You had the cynics. It doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen anymore. And so when you get a major, major stories like the Hunter Biden story, Major stories like Hunter Biden's corruption that possibly goes up to Joe Biden. Major stories like Black Lives Matter buying a $6 million mansion. These are big stories. They matter. Hardly ever covered by 90% of the media. That doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Especially during a, a, a campaign season, like with the Hunter Biden story and the 2020 election. No, no, no. We don't believe it. doesn't exist. No. Opposition dirt, opposition dirt. If it's, a, if it's opposition dirt on Trump, then it exists. Come on, people, this is so obvious. It's so obvious. And it's not going to end. Because the people running these networks have an agenda. These people running networks have an agenda, and it's not entertainment. It's not news. Okay? It's not entertainment, and it's not news. And that's still the worst thing about these talk shows, on these TV talk shows, most of them are not even entertaining. There's no entertainment value. Anyone out there listening, if you're out there listening, and I know, believe me, there are people out there listening who work at Fox and are higher ups at Fox and radio stations, I know these people listen. Not religiously, you're right, I'm not that crazy, you're right, but time to time they listen to this podcast. Tell me why there's not one show on television, like Larry King. Larry King's show was incredibly popular for many years. Demographics all across the board. Look, just like most of talk radio and most of, 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 of television cable news, it skews older. There's not, that, that's just the way it goes. You know, when I was in radio, we used to always say 25 to 54. 25, the major demo, 25 to 54. And news radio and talk radio didn't do that demo the way sports radio did or music radio. Because talk and news just skews older. It always has and it always will. But Larry King, Larry King did great. 
Everyone knew who he was. Everyone liked Larry King. And it was a good show because he had on people and he asked questions, a lot of questions. Sometimes the dumb, obvious question on purpose, the questions he knew people in the audience were thinking about, the non-professional interviewers were thinking about. And he'd ask that question and he'd have callers, callers, people to call and ask questions, to maybe disagree with the, with the person he was interviewing, like we do on talk radio. Why isn't there one show like that anymore? Why does every show have to be one person or two people looking into a camera and talking? Why? Why isn't there one show, even if you have a, a, an hour or two on a Saturday or Sunday night, like Larry King, where people can call up, people who watch, the millions of people who watch these things religiously, who are big fans of these shows, can actually call up and interact with the host and the guests. Why isn't there one show like that? Are they afraid that people will challenge the host, the great hosts, or challenge the guests? Spice it up a little bit. Come on, spice it up a little bit. It's boring and monotonous, and you know it. You know it. But once again, as my point comes, it's not the point of the people who run these stations anymore to be entertaining or informative. Holy shit. Not even entertaining. It's just about pushing a narrative. Pushing a narrative. And when election comes, ah, my side won. We did it. We pushed the narrative good enough that we won. That's all it's about. It's the narrative leading up to an election. Getting who you want elected. Getting your friends in office. Having people you know in powerful positions. That's all it comes down to. And it's dreck. It's dreck. And I'm telling you, it can't last. It can't last the way cable TV can't last. What is this with cable TV? Where they're not even being, I have had this conversation with my friends, they're not even being competitive anymore with streaming. With streaming, it's so much cheaper and so much easier. And the quality's better. And there are fewer glitches. And cable TV is so expensive. I know people in Manhattan who pay $200, $250 a month. For cable television, don't they realize that – Doesn't talk about demographics. Don't these cable providers realize that the demographic is like 70 to 75 plus for them now? That it's a generation that's going to soon die out and they'll have no viewers anymore? All young – not even young people. People in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they're streaming now. It's only the oldest people who don't want to bother with new technology that are stuck on cable. But that's not going to last. That generation is not going to last for them. Their demographic is going away. Don't they realize this? And that they make no effort to compete. They make no effort to give you breaks. They make no effort to bring in younger people. Do they know that they're hanging on for another maybe five years? I mean, by 2030, that's eight years. I think cable is gone. I think cable by 2030 is a thing of the past. But they don't seem to be even trying. To survive, trying to bring in new people, trying to be creative and, and, and competitive. And the, the money is ridiculous. It was like 10, 15, 20 bucks a channel. Well, why? Why? When I can get HBO Max, 
and Netflix and Amazon and basically have everything or get YouTube TV and pay 50, 55 bucks a month and have everything and have an unlimited DVR. By the way, if you don't have YouTube TV, just get it for the unlimited DVR. You, could, you can download you – could, you could save 5 million movies, 5 million shows, and they're good for nine months. Everything stays on there for nine, the nine months from the day you started. I don't mean to do an ad for YouTube TV, but I think it's great. The quality is great. And that unlimited DVR – once again, that's something cable can do. The problem with my cable is I would download movies – and it would fill up so fast. Then I have to get rid of that. Then I'd be sweating. Oh, which ones am I going to get rid of? Oh, I don't want to get rid of The Shining. I don't want. But you don't have to do that. Why can't cable do an unlimited DVR? The technology's there for YouTube TV to do it. Why can't cable do it? Why can't Comcast do it? Why can't Spectrum do it? And Xfinity. I mean, I think they can. They just don't want to. But that would be at least being competitive. So yes, I digress. YouTube TV is great just for that ability to just. Download at your heart's content. Ugh, this was like a media day here, unless be heard. Multimedia. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it just all started with the BLM thing and the idea of how the media creates a certain narrative and how stories are only real if they say they're real. They create the reality they want to create. And that's incredibly problematic. Incredibly problematic. We have five more minutes. Let's not talk about the media anymore. What can we talk about in the last? What do you want to talk about? You see? Come on, Mike. Why can't you take callers? Why don't you go live so people can talk to you? One day I'll figure out how to do that. How to go live and people can call. I know I can do it on Twitter. I can do those space thing. But that's kind of a free-for-all and it's hard to control. And then I'm going to get a lot of, you know, skivuzes. I don't I like to do it so it's a little bit more, a little bit more tight, a little bit more controlled, a little more professional. So we'll see. But that would be great, right? That would be great. I'm all for it. I'm all for interaction, right? I'm all for opening things up, changing things around, being more entertaining, you know, thinking outside the box. That's something they don't do anymore. They don't think outside the box. None of these networks think outside the box. There's never a new show where you go, wow, that's so creative. I do like Gutfeld and I do like The Five on Five. I think The Five and Gutfeld are slightly more creative, they are. Especially, Gutfeld's just very funny. I like his format. I think one day he'll have me on. I'm, I'm, I'm holding out hope. Oh, the, the last thing I want to talk about, something I did, I did, uh, I did touch on yesterday, was, um, was the fentanyl problem. And the way it's killing people. And these mothers put up an ad, uh, a billboard here in San Francisco... And it actually appeared today. And it basically says, I don't agree with all of it. The beginning of it, they're mothers against drug deaths. And they put up $25,000 to put a huge sign on the, the city to crack down on these open-air drug markets. Um, and it, uh, it basically says, famous the world over for our brains, eh, not anymore. Beauty, eh, not anymore. <laughs> And now, dirt cheap fentanyl. That's definitely true. Now, there was a time when, when San Francisco was known for intelligent people, uh, beautiful being a beautiful place. Not anymore, though. I mean, not anymore. Anyway. Anyway. I'm being picky you in here. But the whole idea is they're putting up this billboard that says, now we're known for our fentanyl. 
all over the streets. Easy to get, dirt cheap, very deadly. A little, a little bit of it, a little pinch of it can kill you almost instantly, like in 15 minutes. And obviously you don't know you're taking it. No one's taking it because they want to die in 15 minutes. They think they're getting one drug and they're getting a drug laced with fentanyl. And so good on these people for putting this up. You know, I had an idea before they, and it, I may still do it, before they, you know, stopped all the mandates here. I thought of uh, putting up billboards telling tourists not to come here. There's no reason to come to a prison. Don't come to a prison where you have to wear masks or show your papers to eat a, a sandwich. Go to Florida. Go to Texas. I was going to put up that kind of a billboard. And this is kind of in that same vein, telling tourists don't come here. Your kids might leave you for a little bit to go find some pot or find some other kind of drugs and end up dead. And that's not fantasy. It really happens. It really happens. You know. And once again, the San Francisco Travel Association is blaming these. Well, you're putting up this horrible sign. You're, you're hurting our businesses. Well, put pressure on the fucking politicians who run the city. Not these parents. Put the pressure on the people who caused the lockdowns, that caused you to lose business, that put in the mask mandates and the vaccine passports, that caused you to lose business directly, and who are allowing these drugs to be sold in the street. That's killing your business. Go after the real problem. I know it's easier to go after mothers. It's easier to go after parents. It's easier to call parents white supremacists than go after the politicians and the policies that have caused the problems. Wake up. Got to yell a little bit at the end of the show. Put an exclamation point on this show. What was the theme of the show? Does anyone know the theme of this show? The theme of this show is... The theme of the show... That's what I'll start the show from now on. The theme of this show tonight is... Anyway, it has been a Tuesday show. That I know for sure. It was a Tuesday show. You've been listening to, and let's be heard. I'm Micah Chopley. Thanks for listening. And remember, as always, do not forget, vote Democrats out of office. Vote them out now. See you tomorrow.